Welcome to Origin Gates Daily Podcast called Wisdom's Echo. I'm Samantha Mahoney sharing a thought with you for the day. Anybody who knows me knows that I am passionate about everything to do with your health, of your spirit, your soul, and your body. We have spent a lot of time developing different resources to help people to work through the junk in all of those different areas. My own journey with health has put me on a track of looking for answers, and I believe that I found some amazing things. One of the things that I did discover is that our three-part being, which is Our spirit, our soul, and our body are all very, very tightly intertwined. What happens in one of them can tell tales on what needs to be fixed in another part of us. So when I talk about a three-part being, we're just like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are three individuals, yet they are one in their purpose and in their mind and in their heart. But as we see with the Trinity, there is a head an authority. And likewise, in our own three-part being, there should be a head or an authority. In the Trinity, that head definitely is the Father. Now, I know that they are all God and I know that they are all one, but we, we see many times in Scripture that God is actually the head. The Father is the head of the, the other two. And we see it, one of the scriptures, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He sent his only son. So it's the Father. He set his will to save the earth. He, he sent his son for a purpose. And we even see how Jesus is in submission to his Father's will. We, we know that he prayed, Father, if you can take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. So he was there in obedience to his father. Many times you would often hear Jesus say, I only do what I see my father do. So he wasn't there on his own mission. He was there to accomplish his father's will. We see as well when Jesus ascends back into heaven after his resurrection and the Holy Spirit is released here on the earth. And the word talks about how the Holy Spirit knows the mind of the Father and he reveals it to us. So the Holy Spirit's purpose is also connected to God's will to reveal his mind to us. Our three-part being should work in the same way. You are spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. You're the spirit should be the head and the authority over the other two. Now, if you think that yours is, let me just say, test it. Say to your soul and your body, we are staying up for 48 hours and we are only praying for all of that time. No eating, no sleeping, we're just going to pray. Your spirit will be on fire to do that. But your soul and your body, your soul will say, who the heck came up with this idea? And your body will be going, heck to the no, 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 I need my sleep, right? So you begin to see who actually dictates within your three-part being. It should be our spirit. We see Paul even. Now, Paul, he was Saul. He was one of the persecutors of the apostles and those who preached the good news. He had many of them put to death. But we know that Saul has an encounter where he sees Yahweh. He goes blind. He sees that light. He has this encounter for a number of days. God himself reveals himself to Saul and then changes his name to Paul. Now, even this guy who has had a 180 degree turnaround from his days as a teacher of the law says in Romans 7 verse 15, for what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. 
So he even knows about the battle between the spirit, the soul, and the body. And so all of us have an obligation and a responsibility to start to bring all three of these parts back into order. They are equally as important as the next. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. If there's a block in one of the areas, it's going to show up as a problem in one of your other parts. And I use this example often of my father. When I was in my late teens, I would say 18 or 19, maybe maybe 20, my father was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. So that is a very nasty disease that eats your, your, your body or your immune system doesn't function as it should. And your body starts to degenerate your joints and your bones. Very, very painful disease. He was told that he would probably not walk for much longer. The pain in his legs was indescribable. He went to go and see a a specialist, maybe a few times, maybe twice a month, and he would get a syringe stuck under his kneecap and he would have all of the fluid that had built up around the knee extracted just to give him some relief. I remember driving to work day in and day out crying for my father, asking God, have mercy on him, have mercy, would you please heal him? Okay, but this was pointing to a problem that had to be dealt with in another part of his being. His specialist was a born-again believer, and he knew that my dad was too. And he said, look, I am writing a paper. I'm writing a thesis on the connection between sickness in the body and a spiritual issue. And he said to my dad, would you just humor me? I want to do my research based on what comes out of you and, and your experience. And he said to my dad, I would like you to concentrate on working on bitterness and unforgiveness. I believe that the rheumatoid arthritis has come about because of bitterness and unforgiveness. And I would like you to work on that and let's check out the results and see what happens. So my dad began to work on exactly that thing. Now, you know what is very interesting to me? In my journey of studying on health and emotions and emotional effects and the the correlation between spirit, soul, and body, What I found very interesting, fascinating to me, is the physician's desk um, manual has classified unforgiveness as a disease because of its negative effect on just about every organ in your body, unforgiveness is classified as a disease. Now, isn't this interesting? Sometimes when I work with people, And I say to them, all right, I want you to, on a piece of paper, list your unforgiveness issues. You know how many people will say, no, I don't have any because I've dealt with it. I've already chosen to release somebody and I have dealt with it. So I want to say this. If it comes up as a memory when I say, what is your unforgiveness issue? You have a problem there. If I say the person's name involved in your past offense and it brings up anger or resentment or bitterness or sadness or whatever it is, I'm telling you now that issue has not been resolved and forgiveness has not yet been released. 
one of the secret in in Dr. Alex Lloyd's books, and I absolutely love how he demonstrates this. So your heart has an electromagnetic field, and it can reach three, I think, three feet around you. Other people who are sitting around you can figure out or can feel what is coming out of your heart, okay? So this experiment that Dr. Lloyd did is based on the electromagnetic field coming out of the heart and the measurement of that. What he did, he was in a workshop one time and he asked for volunteers. He, and a few people put up their hands and he brought them to the front of the class. He drew on a piece of paper a circle and the circle was cut into four quadrants and they were numbered number one, number two, number three and number four. And he said to the students, I want you to take this piece of string that has a key on the bottom and I want you to dangle the key so that it rests exactly center point of the four quadrants numbered one, two, three, and four. That is your instruction. Do you understand the instruction? And the volunteer said, yes, I understand. I need to hold the key so that it dangles directly over center point of those four quadrants on the circle on this piece of paper. He said, right, here is instruction number two, but number one stays in, in effect. I want you to keep that key in the center. Now here's the second part. I want you to imagine swinging the key between number one and number two quadrant. And very soon, because remember that electromagnetic field picks up stuff, that key began to swing between number one and number two. And Dr. Lloyd said, did you not understand the instruction? Are you trying to swing it? And the, the volunteer said, no, I'm trying to keep a dead center over the center point of those, those four quadrants. So he said, all right, let's do another exercise. I want you to, number one, uh, instruction stays in effect. Hold that key over center point, And I want you to just imagine, in your imagination, imagine swinging the key between number two and number four. And that key again began to swing. What he proved by that exercise is that when the head and the heart disagree, the heart will always win. Now, what is the difference between the head and the heart? The head's language, the mind's language is words. That's how you communicate what is going on in your heart. You use words. Your mind converts it into words. The heart's language is pictures. If I was to say to you, can you think of the happiest time of your life? I can guarantee you, if you immerse yourself in it, you will relive it like a movie. You will see all of those events in the happiest time of your life in pictures, right? I bet you not one of you saw typed out words, we were at the beach. No, you were actually there. You saw it in a picture. You relived it in picture form. When the head and the heart disagree, the heart always wins <clears throat> and the heart's language is pictures. So when we can bring it back to unforgiveness and you say to me, I have forgiven, that is the language of the mind. You have spoken it out with your words, I forgive so and so. But if your heart disagrees and if your heart can take you back to that offense where unforgiveness, where, where the root of it came into you and your heart is still hurting from the events that happened there, you have not yet forgiven that person. 
this is probably why positive mantras don't work or you know confessing something that your heart does not agree with it will never happen because your heart says otherwise it says you're lying I don't agree with that so we have to begin to heal the pictures that are in the heart rather than just speaking out certain things So when I talk about the spirit, the soul, and the body being totally interconnected, if you've got something going on in your physical body, there is a spiritual root that needs to be dealt with. As I said, all of our three-part beings are as important as the next. Effort needs to be put into bringing all of those into order and into alignment. Our spirits are God-conscious. They are God-centered. They center around Him. Your spirit functions in a totally different realm to the physical realm. It's connected to the kingdom. It understands God's wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. This is why it's so important that our spirit actually sits and governs over our soul and over our body. Our souls are self-conscious or self-centered. And the Hebrew word there for soul is nafesh, which means it's your desires, your appetites, the lusts of your flesh. It's focused on self-gratification. The body is world-conscious. Obviously, you need your body to interact with the earth, with the world. So your body is world-conscious. Its language is energy. Okay, And this is not a new age uh, word in this sense. Your heart beats, your blood flows in your body. When you exercise, your body sweats, you burn calories. If you rub your hands together, you feel heat. This is all energy. Change and transformation is our whole purpose. What are, being cha- what are we being changed and transformed into? Into the image of Jesus. This change is going to flow from the inside, which is in our spirit, to the outside, which is our soul, our body, and even further into the earth. In John 7 verse 38, it says, from your bellies will flow rivers of living water. So we have to get things right in our spirit first. If we aren't yet in the image of Jesus, then what image do we resemble? What is the fruit of our lives? Romans 6.16 says, whatever you yield yourself to, you become a slave to. So where is our treasure? Where do we spend our time and our energy on? If we aren't yielding to the requirements of the spirit, then we're yielding to something else. And it's the lusts of the flesh. And then we become slaves to that. And so we will produce fruit in its likeness. I can get so excited about this particular topic because it is so intricate, so involved and so many keys that we can begin to use to start bringing wholeness into each of these different areas. And I'll definitely be sharing more with you over the over the coming weeks. But in the meantime, you have a great week and I'll catch up with you next time.